0: So I'm a little bit closer than I normally am to you. Uh, we have been so blessed over these last uh, 10 plus years of our existence to have a place to meet every Sunday. And sometimes we have to adjust to the school district. Uh, they're uh, resurfacing the stage and the gym. And so hence, here we are, up close and personal. If you're sitting in the front row, you might even get spit on, which is just like being at SeaWorld when Shamu does the big splash. And so this will be just as good, I promise. And um, and just uh, just a... Uh, I hate saying stuff like this, because it's like, I don't want to be a, a police officer, but if you would just at the end of service and when we're cleaning up today, can we just for the this week and next week, can we just not let any of our kids, including Joseph, Lucy, and Olivia, uh, those are my kids, run on the stage, just be sensitive to that, because we are guests here, and yes, we pay for this place, but uh, we would just want to be good neighbors to the Spring Ford School District. They've been so kind to us to open up their facilities to us, and so if we can just kind of respect that, that would be awesome. Thank you for doing that. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, weeks, maybe you've been on vacation, and that's okay. Uh, So let me catch you up. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the life of Samson. Samson Samson was a guy whose life was defined by his potential. Samson had a calling on his life before he was born. God literally raised Samson up. He visited a man named Manoah and his wife, and he told this sterile couple that they were going to conceive and have a son, and his name was Samson. And Samson was going to begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. That's what Samson's calling, a deliverer, a judge, a God-picked man raised Farmed, like literally God says, I'm going to raise this up. This is like a plant that I'm going to initiate, and he's going to be the deliverer of Israel. Samson also had supernatural strength. We heard about some of those stories last week from Brandon. Uh, Here are a couple things that Samson did with his bare hands. He ripped a lion in half. That was awesome. I love that part of the story. Could be my new life verse. All right? He also took the jawbone of a donkey, and it used to, I used to just think before like the jawbone of a donkey was like this brittle jawbone that he probably found on this deteriorated thing and there was no flesh left, but the Bible actually tells us it was a fresh bone, so that means he had to take the head of a donkey, rip off the jawbone, it still had teeth on it. I know, disgusting. That's what I kind of thought when I thought about it. And he killed a thousand Philistines, just him and the jawbone. And then on one occasion, Samson lost a bet um, and he had to beat up 30 dudes. He beat up 30 guys and stole their clothes. That's how you know you want to fight. Like if you're in a fight and you're like, did I win? If there's 30 guys on the ground and you took their clothes, you're clearly the winner. And today as we watch Samson's life spiral into destruction, that's what we're going to see today in this text we're going to read, we have to ask ourselves this question. How could a man with so much potential and so much strength, end up wrecking his life? I'll give you the answer up front. Sin. Samson's blatant, repeated, willful sin was the reason he wrecked his life. This morning, as we see Samson self-destruct, we're going to learn about the nature of sin. That's what today is about, the nature of sin. How sin works. So the end of Judges 15 tells us that Samson had been a judge in Israel for 20 years. So uh, uh, Judges 15, 20, I believe, says that Samson led Israel for 20 years, and you'd think the story of Samson would end with that verse, because that's how all the other judges' life story end, that so-and-so led Israel for 40 years, and then they died. And so we kind of get the idea that Samson was faithful, and he honored God during those 20 years, we're not entirely sure, but we do know that he was a leader for 20 years. It seems like that was a good season in his life. One sentence. That was until he decided to take a road trip. Judges 16, starting in verse 1, says this. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. So what does this mean? Gaza was a large Philistine city southwest of Israel, 45 miles away. It was a 45-mile trip from Samson's hometown in Zorah and Eshteol. Okay, that's where he lived, in between Zorah and Eshteol. It was a 45-mile trip down to the Philistine city of Gaza. And of course, when Samson got there... No idea why he went, apparently to get in trouble. Apparently, Samson thought that if I distance myself from the people of God and I go where no one knows me, I can do what I want to do. I think some of us think that way, whether we're on vacation or a business trip. We think when we're out of our zone and no one sees us, we can do what we want. There's no accountability there. And when Samson got to Gaza, he decided that he was going to visit a prostitute Not exactly a proud moment for the leader of God's people. And what Samson either didn't realize or was too prideful to acknowledge was that Samson was Philistine public enemy number one. Samson had wreaked havoc on the Philistines, and he thought it was a good idea to go to a Philistine city, and he would just be okay with that. Like Samson is the kind of guy who would walk into a town and everyone knows he's there, verse 2. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up, and catch this, this is, you, you can easily miss this, so just think about this statement. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So catch this. If you just look over here with me, this is just a living illustration right under the exit sign to my left, and you see the doors there kind of embedded into the concrete wall. Could you imagine someone being strong enough to go over there and not just rip the doors off the hinges, but to rip the entire frame and separate it from the concrete. Ancient doors to cities weighed about 700 pounds. And Samson, this is how strong he was, he walked over to the city gate in the middle of the night and he said, I know there's some people waiting to kill me, so I'm going to get up a little bit early. And I know they locked the gate, so here's what I'm going to do. Instead of crawling over the gates, I'm just going to rip the doors off the frame. And you'd think that Samson would just lift up 700 pounds and kind of toss it to the side, but that's not what he does. He puts the doors on his shoulders and he walks them to a hill facing Hebron. Do you know how far Hebron is from Gaza? 10 or 11 miles. I know some of you think you're in tremendous shape. But could you imagine carrying 700 pounds plus on your shoulders for 11 miles, carrying the city gates? And what's Samson doing here? He's just taunting the Philistines. He's like, You really think you're going to keep me in? And he takes the doors, and instead of throwing them aside, he just walks them up to Hebron and he leaves them there. Here's the first thing we learn about the nature of sin sin grows one step at a time. Sin grows one step at a time. So you remember I told you that from Samson's hometown to Gaza was was a 45-mile journey. Do you know how many steps it would take you to walk 45 miles? Well, since pastors only work on Sundays, I had a lot of extra time this week to get the answer for you. If you're wondering what I'm doing, it's math problems during the week. Because, you know, I only have to do this and there's really nothing else on my plate. So I had time to calculate how, long it, how many steps it would take someone to walk 45 miles. 99,000. It's 99,000 steps from Samson's hometown to Gaza. A place he had no reason to go. And when he got there, he saw a prostitute. And after he saw her He slept with her. Samson wasn't at a worship service in Israel one moment and with a prostitute the next. It wasn't like, oh, Samson, how did this happen? I don't know how I got here. It's not at all what happened. Samson made 99,000 small decisions, each step an opportunity to turn around, to go back to Israel, to be the man of God and leader he was called to be. Instead, he chose the fleeting pleasure of a night with a prostitute instead of obedience. Here's what I'm really trying to say. People don't ruin their lives all at once. Like Samson, they ruin their lives one step at a time. No one wakes up and says, I want to be addicted to pornography today. It starts with one click, followed by a few more followed by hour after hour, day after day, month after month, year after year trying to satiate lust. No one wakes up one morning and says, I want to wreck my marriage today. No one puts on their to-do list self-destruct. Nope. One innocent conversation turns flirtatious, turns into inappropriate emotional sharing, turns into you convincing yourself that the person you're married to you're not really interested in them anymore. This other person is better. Turns into spending time alone together. Turns into a lingering hug. Turns into a kiss. Turns into a full-blown affair. No one wakes up and says, I want my passion for God to grow cold today. But a few days without reading your Bible turns into a few weeks. Turns into a life of prayerlessness. Turns into apathy towards God and His people. And here's what's amazing to me, people act like God is far when they have ignored him for long seasons of time. Sin doesn't happen mysteriously, it happens intentionally, beginning with a small, seemingly insignificant decision like a single step towards Gaza and ends with the leader of God's people in bed with a prostitute. I want you to see the intentionality of sin, making the choice to do it. It's not sudden, and it doesn't take you by surprise. Even if you're surprised, you've been making small decisions to lead to that point. Sin grows one step at a time. Let's continue the story. Sometime later, so the scene kind of changes. So the last thing we see is Samson carrying the doors to Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. She had her own call-in radio show filled with cheesy love songs. That's the only reason you know that name. And you've probably called in and said why you want her to play uh, you know, your favorite song. Probably something by Celine Dion. It's wonderful. It just moves you to tears every time. If you haven't noticed, Samson has a weakness with women. This is Samson's weak spot, women. This is the third Philistine woman he is going to have a relationship with. Delilah will be his downfall. So in verse 5, Samson is going to be betrayed by this woman, Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So many commentators believe there were five governors of these five Philistine cities, Gaza being one of them. And so if Delilah betrays Samson, she's going to get 5,500 shekels of silver. And I spent a lot of time this week trying to figure out how much money that is. And the only thing anyone would say is, it's a lot. It's a huge sum of money. The Philistines desperately wanted to defeat, to, to defeat Samson, but they couldn't figure out how. how because Samson was so strong. So what they do? They bribed his lover, Delilah, into betraying him. If she could get Samson to tell her what made him so strong and share that information with the Philistines, she would be a very rich woman and a national heroine. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. This verse always makes me scratch my head and think, was Samson a complete fool? Like... Hey, honey, um, like if someone wanted to tie you up and beat you up and destroy you and take you prisoner, like what are a couple ways that they could do that? Like, just hypothetically speaking, like if we wanted to beat you up and like totally embarrass you, how would we be? What's a, what's a good way to do that? Many of us know what happens next. Samson starts having some fun with Delilah. First, he says to Delilah, if you tie me up with some thongs, That's what my version says, thongs, and I know that's a strange thing to say. He's clearly talking about sandals. No, he says, if you tie me up with some thongs, which are animal tendons, if you tie me up with seven fresh animal tendons, I won't be able to escape. So Delilah does this. She ties Samson up with seven fresh animal tendons, and then the Philistines come, and Samson's like, just kidding, and destroys them. And then she's like, come on, Samson, tell me how to neutralize you. And he says, okay, if you tie me up with some new rope." You got any new rope around, Delilah? Tie me up with new rope, and then I won't be able to escape. Same thing happens. Philistine comes in. Samson takes a new rope, and he's like, oh, just kidding. And then Delilah's getting upset, and she's like, come on, just tell me how to do it. And Samson's like, okay, here's how you really do it. You need to take my hair, the seven braids of my hair, and you need to kind of weave them into a weaver's loom and then put a pin in it. And then my hair will be stuck to the weaver's loom and I will be able to be beaten up and taken prisoner and my life will be ruined. Do that. So she does that and the Philistines come in after Delilah has done this to Samson. And and I'll be honest, like when I read the story, I'm like, like, what do you do? Just like lay down and be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, like tie me up. This is going to be fun. And I think that's what Samson, exactly what he was doing. He thought it was going to be fun. So he complied because he was angry and he loved a good fight. So the third time, Samson did the same thing, and so Delilah is frustrated, and she does something that is, I think, sort of funny. In order to get Samson to tell her the secret of his strength, she taps into her manipulative girl powers. Verse 15 and 16 are some of my favorite in the whole book of Judges. Like, this is Delilah saying to Samson after he has made a fool of her three times. Then she said to him, I feel like this could be a line in a love song. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Like, you can hear it, right? How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Sorry, that was a blessing to all of you. Thank you. My wife's embarrassed, and she'll tell me never to do that again when we get home. (laughs) She loves when I sing. It's just such a blessing. So listen to what she says. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your strength. What she's saying. She's saying, if you loved me, you would be vulnerable with me. And verse 16, guys, I mean, please don't repeat this at home. You will get beaten up. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Like that, I mean, you can't make that your life verse. It's like you're not allowed to say that, but it's just like you see the relational dynamics here. She's just like, tell me, 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 fine, fine, I can't handle this anymore. I will tell you. So Samson tells the Philistine woman the secret of his strength. Verse 17, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. This is a very interesting line. Because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. So to be clear, Samson wasn't strong because he had long hair. His strength came from the fact that he had been set apart by God as a Nazarite to lead Israel. His long, uncut hair was simply the outward sign of his spirit-empowered strength. But isn't it odd in this moment that Samson acknowledges his identity as a servant of God? I mean, Samson is with a Philistine woman after sleeping with a prostitute. Now he's on to the next girl and he's living this life of just blatant, willful sin, and he still knows what God has said about him. The second thing we learn about the nature of sin is, sin is a failure to remember God. Sin is a failure to remember God. You might remember that Samson was to live his whole life observing the Nazarite vow. Here are the three parts of the Nazarite vow. We've said them a few times just so that you know what does it mean to take the Nazarite vow. Number one, you couldn't touch anything dead. Samson broke this part of the vow many times when he touched the lion he killed. Remember, he went back to the lion he killed and got honey out of it. When he touched the jawbone of the donkey. And just recently when Delilah tied him up with seven animal tendons, he was touching a dead thing. He broke this vow all the time. The second part of the vow is you couldn't drink anything made from grapes. Samson broke this part of the vow before he was supposed to marry the first Philistine woman when he threw a big drinking party. And the third part of the vow, you couldn't cut your hair. And in the same breath that Samson told Delilah he was a Nazarite, he essentially invited her to shave his head. Samson ended up immersed in sin not primarily because he had a problem with lust, but because he had forgotten God. He had forgotten God's claim on his life. He had forgotten who God had created him to be. He had forgotten that his strength was a gift, not a right. Every time we sin, we are failing to remember God. And our forgetting isn't innocent. It's a chosen forgetfulness. And the choice we make when we sin is choosing to magnify the pleasure of sin while choosing to forget the glory of God. The storyline of Samson's life is filled with multiple moments of forgetting who God is, what God commanded, and who God said Samson is. And I bet the same is true in your life and in my life. In our moments of willful, blatant sin, the reason we do those is because we've forgotten who God is. We've forgotten what God has commanded and who God says we are. And that forgetfulness is a willful choice to kind of put it out of our minds that we don't really want to think about that right now. The next time you're tempted to sin, remind your soul about the greatness, goodness, and glory of God. Remind yourself that you are a child of God, deeply loved by Him, and called by Him for His purposes. You weren't created for temporary pleasures. You were created for eternal glory. The nature of sin, it's a failure to remember God. The story continues. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, this time, Samson didn't let her do it. He just trusted. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. I mean, that's some deep sleep. You're sleeping and someone says, call on the barber. I mean, you are out. And so began to subdue him. And catch this, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that the Lord had left him. Verse 21, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. What does that mean to be grinding in the prison? The Philistines would grind their grain, their wheat. There would be a big uh, cement circle, and usually oxen would walk around in a circle and and would move the grinder and then that would turn the weed into grain and that whole process would happen. Could you imagine being Samson, going back to Gaza, with your eyes gouged out, bronze shackles on, and you hear animals making noises in the background and they get closer and closer. And the prison guard takes one oxen and throws him out pushes him away, and he hooks you up to the grinding table. And one strong and mighty Samson is now blind and shackled and walking in circles because he chose the pleasures of sin over the glory of God. Here's the third thing about sin sin always catches up with you. Samson thought he could get away with chasing women, breaking God's commands, and living for himself. Samson assumed, like so many people assume, that just because you had gotten away with disobedience on previous occasions, he would always get away with it. Just when he thought he could use his God-given strength to defeat the Philistines yet again, He discovered God had left him. Sin always devastates. Even if sin's devastation doesn't show up the first time or even the tenth time, it eventually will wreck your life. Sin brings death. Samson is a living illustration of the spiritual reality of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 through 8, Paul told the Galatian church, Do not be deceived. Spring Valley Community Church. Don't be deceived. Don't live a lie. Don't believe the wrong thing. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The sin in your life that you are rationalizing and justifying, that sin that you refuse to confess and repent of, the sin you think you are getting away with, you are foolish if you think the day of devastation won't come. And as Samson was walking in circles with his eyes gouged out, shackled to the grinding wheel, he was reaping what he had been sowing. And that's the tragedy of sin. Sin always overpromises and under-delivers. That fling with the prostitute, Samson's romance with Delilah, his complete disregard for his vow to the Lord, where did it all lead to Samson losing everything? Jesus tells us that Satan has come to seek, kill, and destroy. Peter tells us that Satan prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan loves to show us the pleasure of sin without showing us the devastation of sin. Followers of Jesus aren't designed to play with sin and see how much we can get away with before we get burned and set our whole lives on fire. Let me be very clear this morning. The Christian life isn't simply about avoiding sin. I want you to know that if you're listening to this message and you're like, oh, Joe, this really doesn't apply to me, I want you to know that that's not being a Christian, simply avoiding sin. The Christian life is about courageously following Jesus wherever he calls you and doing his will. However, when we repeatedly choose sin, we miss out on what God has for us. I've seen it a lot of times. Look at Samson and let his life be a warning to you and to me so that we run from sin. We confess our sin. We get help. We talk to a pastor. We tell a friend what we're dealing with. And you know what we need to do most of all? We need to quit making ridiculous excuses why it's okay for us to do what God says not to do. My question for you this morning goes back to the first point of the message. Where are you stepping away from God? Where are you stepping away from God? Are you on the trip to Gaza? Doesn't matter if you've taken 98,999 steps. You don't have to take the last one. You can turn around. If there is an area of your life that you know you are stepping away from God, turn around. Walk back towards Him go the other way. It is not too late for you. Do you know why? Because when you turn around, God will be there to receive you. God is a God of forgiveness and new beginnings and redemption and fresh starts and renewed hope and second chances. Do you know why I believe that, church? Do you know why I believe that with Samson with his eyes gouged out, bronze shackles on, walking in circles as a slave in Gaza. Do you know why I believe that God is never done with a life? Because at the darkest moment of Samson's life, the writer of Judges masterfully tells us like a beaming ray of hope and grace and mercy, bursting through this dark and gloomy story, says this, verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it has been shaved. What does that mean? It means that though Samson had wrecked his life through pursuing Sid instead of God, God was not done with Samson. We will see that next week. It wasn't over. God hadn't left for good. Samson's strength was returning. His hair was growing again. God would still use him. What do I think God wants every person in this room to know today who has stepped away from God, who is drifting downstream, who is saying I'm taking 99,000 steps away from God. What does God want you to know today? Maybe you are Samson and you have wrecked your life and you feel like you are beyond help, beyond hope, beyond grace, beyond forgiveness, and you believe that the rest of your life is going to be defined by shame and guilt. What does the living God want you to know today? that Samson's hair began to grow again. Sin doesn't have to have the last word in your life. Sin doesn't have to have the last word in your life. Failure does not have to be fatal. I love what Paul says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And that's what I'm here to tell you this morning. That the opportunity to turn around is today. And some of you, you feel like you're getting away with it. And I just wanna ask you this question. Are you gonna wait for everything to fall apart before you get serious with God? Are you just gonna keep playing in the mud And just because God hasn't stopped you yet doesn't mean He's not going to stop you soon. And today is a day of grace and a day of mercy and a day of turning and a day of saying that, no, no, I am not called to sin. I am not called to live for myself. I'm a child of God. I'm a man or woman of God. God wants me as I am, brokenness and all. And He can change and He can fix and He can restore What seems so broken? Turn around today. Samson's hair began to grow again. God can put your life back together, but he's not going to do it if you refuse to come to him. He's not going to do it if you just keep playing church and spiritual games and having a little pet sin on the side. Stop. Come to your Father. Let him put together what's broken. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, today we just call out to you. And Lord, I know that probably for a lot of us, we're hearing this message and it's just more like a warning than it is about something in our life right now. And I pray that we would be wise and we wouldn't be foolish and we would heed warnings like this. And we would make ourselves accountable to other people just so, even if we're living great, just so that we can continue to live for you. Because we don't want to just wreck our lives with sin because we are so vulnerable, more vulnerable than we realize. God, we want to honor you with our lives. Help us to do it. And for those of us who are here, and Lord, this message couldn't be more for them. I pray they wouldn't ignore the voice of your spirit this morning, calling them to repentance, calling them to hope, calling them to second chances, calling them to a fresh start, calling them to walk away from what's destroying them and the people around them. God, thank you that you are always ready for a second chance. You are always ready for a 200th chance. You never give up on us. God, let us be people of hope today and let us run to you. You wanna hear from us, you wanna see us, and you want us back, and your arms are wide open. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict people today and you would draw them to yourself. your name I pray, amen, amen. Hey, before you leave today, I wanna tell you a couple things. Number one, if you need to talk to one of our pastors today, We're just going to be around. We won't be up here. We'll just be around because we don't want to, if you need to talk about something, you need to get with the pastor today. You do. You need to stop playing games. Pastor Andrew's here this morning. I'm here this morning. Our elders are here this morning. Pastor Barry's here this morning. Our wives are available if you need to talk to them. If you know, if you know that this is for you, don't you dare walk away without getting right with the Lord. He is fierce. He is loving, but He is fierce. And He will break you down until you have nowhere else to turn except Him. You don't have to do it the hard way. Today is a day to turn around. Just need to know that as the body of Christ. If you would drop your orange cards in the buckets as you leave. If you would receive the grace of God and his love into your life. Would you have a great day today? God bless you as you go. And uh, we'll see you next week right here.